Open the pod bay doors, please, pal. All right, all right, all right. You're gonna need a bigger potion. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Look at the coast. We get together, have a few laughs. The Movie Odyssey with Brad Patel, Gus Trout, and Adam Lucas. Yeah, we were 30, 38, and 37, I think, when Grant was born. It's just, it's just like this weird thing. Yeah, it's like, oh, hey, you gotta have another one? Just like this implanted, yeah, it must be in our DNA or something. Hey, 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 go, hey, you should, it's like a guilt trip almost. Yeah, they try to, that's how they get you. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of motherhood, um, these movies, mm-hmm. have, these movies have a strong theme of motherhood, right? They sure they, do. They hey, all do. There we go. <laughs> there's, there's that segue we were looking for. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's, I'll, I think we got it. I'll do an intro and we'll... We'll talk yeah, about this movie. Yeah, One of my got, favorites. I love high, it. A high energy episode coming in hot. Watch out. Here we go. Uh, hey, gang. Brad Patello here, joined by my good friend, Gus Strauff. And Adam is uh, on business. Yeah, he's in Cleveland. He's super close to us, but yet so far away. It's not like Cleveland's far enough away that I can't just run up there to have a couple beers with him or something like that. It's a boring drive. I, this does. Uh, I hate anything over thirty minutes. Yeah, that's most things around <laughs> here. But that's most fun things to do are further away than that. But hey, aliens! Eighty-six. As uh, our alien marathon continues, this is the sequel. Seven years in the making. Um. Some people say this is a better movie. I don't agree. I like the first one better. Um, it's tar- It's kind of hard to compare them. I mean, they kind of have some of the same kind of story beats. They're so different. Let's blow up the shit. In a lot of ways, too. It, it, it's a perfect sequel. I mean, James Cameron, my God. Yeah. And he wrote it really fast. I think he wrote two movies. I think he wrote this and... I forget. Like, is it a Rambo movie? Rambo, Rambo two. Yeah, like that, yeah. it was sort of like a deal. He had to. He could have one. Do what? Do this one? I have something like that. I remember. But he, uh, man, he was just on fire in the eighties. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's interesting that he also wrote a draft of Rambo two because I was going to say this movie is to alien as Rambo two is to Rambo one kind of like the differences. Like the first, he really Ram- had like a formula for a sequel down. Yeah. It's extremely very familiar, but yeah. yeah. A lot but more it, ambitious than the first one, but it's also very eighties in a lot of ways too, in the way that Rambo two also is right like y- yes i more actiony first, more testosterone kind yeah, but of in, in, kind of in a perfect way though in this one because it's quickly the the how quickly it turns to shit on yeah. these like badasses that for the first once we meet the marines the for the the next half an hour of hanging out with the marines they're like done this a million times this is just another day at the office yeah no one's scared they're all badasses they all sort of they're all like you know roughnecks like right. hard as nails motherfuckers like everybody good character and, development too in that oh yeah the scene where we meet them all or the series of scenes where they're all together yeah. very yeah for the most part quite natural and um has a nice pace to it all yeah i think they shot a lot of those scenes last like really the scenes where they're where we first meet the marines that way the actors had a good rapport with each other and <laughs> oh gee sarge could you <laughs> <laughs> look into my eye hudson that guy sergeant uh, apone god probably so my favorite character he was an actual green beret in vietnam oh yeah that's awesome yeah and he, it, it comes through he's really believable yeah, and he helped with like the training and stuff. Yeah, he's he's great. I love how he like first thing he does is chomp on his cigar. Like, mm-hmm. he, like he had it in his hand. Another when he went to day in the Marine Corps. Yeah, he yeah. just like yeah. When he went to sleep, he made sure he had his uh, like a little stuffed animal. It's just his <laughs> stogie. Absolutely, the first thing he does, chomp on a stogie. <laughs> first shot we see him. 
it probably kind of is gives them you know because everybody's very um drowsy after coming out of hypersleep or whatever yeah no yeah, that's true they don't seem to they take in stride though it's like like we were talking about the first one space travel is sort of more mundane now it's part of everyday Still, life uh, yeah i wonder um they don't really explain how long it I wonder how many is it like a couple years of hypersleep to get to that place and they're like missing out on like years of other earthly things or do you know what i mean yeah well think about think about that though for a second because say yeah. there was a war going yeah. on at on another colony or something it would take and maybe by the time the marines got there they would I guess they they could be intercepted. I don't know. And, you know, I don't know how long the traveling of, of information takes like radio transmissions. If it takes, you know, like, yeah, that's a good point. A couple uh, days or something. So like they could get there and then be like, Oh, everything's over. You're like, it was set, settled in a peace agreement before we got there. The sense of time in act one always confused me a little bit. Like, and like well she must have been at the space station out orbiting earth for long enough to become to get her license and like establish like her living quarters where she kind of lives in like a dumpy area which yeah. is that's a very like that's only addressed for in one shot as the um the corporal and the uh like her living quarters. Yeah, mean? like they yeah. they walk down there and there's like it's like spray painted and like kind of trashy. It is very small too, her. Mm -hmm. And she says she has a job. So Yeah, that's she's doing the loading she, dock stuff. She's at That's how she learns station. how to uh control the that's true. The loader. Yeah. So there's a sense of time there that just kind of gets skipped over, basically. Like between when she arrives job. and yeah. Well, that's, that's, there's a lot of, ex, there's a lot of deleted scenes in that area too. Yes. Which some of those aren't bad. I think establishing her daughter and stuff yeah. is like, I kind of was like, oh, where, where's that scene? Like, maybe does that come later? Does she bring it up later? Like to Newt that she had a daughter? That's the like special edition so I know that there's a scene at the space station where yeah, they're like, and it shows like a photo of her on like a front of a magazine and she's like recently passed. She was like 87 when she yeah. died or something like that. Played by Sigourney Weaver's actual mother, oh. her daughter. So she's been asleep for 57 years. Her daughter was 11 when she left and now she's dead. She's like yeah. an old lady. But that scene was cut from the theatrical version so I watched the theatrical version. Me too. Uh, I've seen me, them both, but like, yeah. There's... The, the extended scene of Newt's family yeah. in the, is so fucking bad. <laughs> I am so glad that's not in there. I think the compositing maybe was never fully finished. They already decided to cut it, but like this. Yeah, there, I don't think it was it, finished. None of it looks good. It doesn't play well. It's completely unnecessary. Um, yeah. It does establish her brother, but Which, yeah, you don't right. need to know it's, any yeah, of that shit. Yeah. yeah. Again, the, played besides, by her actual brother. Huh. Like, the actress. Okay. Yeah. She's Barry really Hen. good. She, her British accent's leaking through, but she's very good. And she <laughs> um, brings so much to the movie and to that character. Yeah. Yeah. Her Really her only acting role. I mean, she was in a couple other things, but yeah. I don't know. Well, she knocked it out of the fucking park. Yeah. Filmed at Pinewood Studios, obviously. Uh, a lot of drama between James Cameron and the crew. He fired like two DPs, I think. I, I read. Really? I, I, I just, I knew that he wasn't, he didn't like the, um, I don't know if it was unionized or whatever, like the, all the tea breaks. Yeah. Like they they really do, him. like those goddamn British people really do drink a lot of tea. Well, and they they, they don't work as long of days. I think yeah. he was expecting to work 10 or 12 hour days and they just didn't do it. So that there was some drama, some behind the scenes drama. Well, I guess he's also very like kind of can do everything too. Yeah. So he's sort wasn't one of those 
he could back up everything with 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 skill <laughs> yeah and he wasn't really established much here i mean terminator no. obviously had come Pretty, out quite big yeah but that was low budget and unexpected success and mm-hmm. kind of before that was a success his only piranha directing was the second piranha movie yeah. which is insane because it's like you never know you just never know who's going to be you know that's how I try to tell these my students. It's like, yeah, James Cameron's first movie was Piranha Two. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. just you'll don't. That's true. Yeah. Don't be so hard on yourself. You never know. Like the the scene, which is an hour in. I can't believe it's only an or it doesn't feel like an hour. It feels like maybe thirty minutes in when they start. Actually, the Marines have landed, and they're they've established like a headquarters. Mm-hmm. And are looking for the colonists, and then they finally Hudson finally finds them all with their like tracking things. Oh, that um, first big massacre scene. Yeah, mean? and they and they like yeah that scene of them like all right we found them and now we're going and they're go and then like hey that's like the core thing we can't use any bullets down there. Yeah, um, a lot of Vietnam allegories to that, like the. Where the uh, the one guy makes them take out all, all their bullets is kind of a statement on like how people felt that we could have won Vietnam if we'd been allowed to fight in a certain way. I don't. It, yeah, the whole thing's oh, an the, the allegory Space for Marine, the Vietnam War, the, basically. Really? Kind of. I mean, I, that's, that went over uh, my head. Well, that's sort of under the radar. I think James Cameron had intended it. I mean, that plus his. Uh, second Rambo movie. Mm-hmm. It's just the idea of like heavily, heavily armed and overconfident soldiers, like Westernized soldiers taking on and being bested by an, an enemy that they see as inferior. Inf- okay. And there's a few little things like that thrown in there to kind of, well, if you, if you see it that way, like they are, it's like, ham fisted <laughs> like just well, how like yeah. we got tactical nukes we got this we got that like we're badass motherfuckers like how and then they just little... totally get wasted yeah it's <laughs> well yeah, they're, they're unprepared for what on yeah. so many levels how good is that one you get rid of a bunch of people you don't have to worry about yeah. being like shooting anymore um Thinning the herd at that it's, point. It's yeah, economical. It's it's dramatic. It, it's one of the tensest scenes in the movie, um, and well, it's the first scene that Sigourney has to like get the fuck out of my way. I'm stepping up, and it's so fucking badass when she, um, takes the reins and like the the music so good. It's uh the one guy freezes like Gorman. He's just like yeah, totally. Gorman. Well, when you find totally out that it's shell a second, second drop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just a noob. He doesn't have any he's actual a, he's combat a noob. experience. Yeah, he's, yeah. He, he totally flakes there. And that scene is really, uh, I don't know, it's really iconic. It's been like ripped off a bunch, parodied, like just the whole idea of like the, uh, seeing the vital signs of each soldier and watching them go dark you know, and oh, it's yeah, just having, chaos. Like, well, they, he, oh God, he's so good at setting up things in a way that you're oblivious to. You're just like, when Gorman is like, he's like, Drake, like, your camera's a little like, as the wires are loose, and he just like hits his head off the side of the, yeah, the seat, and it turns back on. He's like, okay, and like, so that's setting up that. Right. Which, and that all sets up great tension. It just, it has a great pace to it. I guess probably the slowest bit is the very beginning with, uh, but it's, even that is, I love that idea of being like, we're going to go, I'm going to fuck with the audience immediately with a chest buster scene. Oh, right. The dream. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which it, it's done in a very dreamy way. If it's you're, fine. have you have any like cinematic, 
language knowledge. Yeah, you know, that seems that you, fine. It doesn't bother me that it's a. Oh dream. no, I think it's, it's great. I yeah. I love. I and it. Of course, you would have PTSD of that situation, and yeah. But I'm just saying, like that's the pivotal scene of the first movie. Yeah. And for that to be the second scene of this movie. Yeah. Because the first scene is is they discover uh Ripley's escape ship yeah. floating through space. And they do another ingenious like using real things of the the camera. It's like on a some kind of camera rig that like the director would be sitting on and like it's on a crazy crane arm, but it's like this robotic thing that does a scan. Right. And it's great sound design. Whenever the laser goes over the cam, cam past the camera, it does like a whoo, like bassy whoosh noise, and yeah. just all those details. And James, is it James Horner? What's his name? The the, the composer. Oh yeah, Horner. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. Yeah, like Willow, and I mean, ev- he's yeah. done everything under the sun. He's incredible. It, this is so iconic that like, there's parts of the score that I swear to God are reused all the time well i think that part of the score i actually yes. wrote down is from 2001 i fucking like, thought so they, and they use it again at the end too after they go yeah. back to sleep but it's not the same music it's actually james horner just kind of used a stanza from it okay uh, it's so close to something i'm like isn't this from something else yeah it's a it's a very similar okay, scene into okay. that when they're like floating through it's like a it's become the quintessential floating through space music that yeah that piece of music uh but it's not exactly the same james horner just sort of took it and modified it slightly but it has that same he borrowed heavily from it yeah yeah you can definitely it my like i do feel like if there's a contest where they played five seconds of a score from a movie yeah, I'd get I'd place quite high. I'm you're pretty good. good yeah, at, you're you're good at that. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I would have missed that one. This movie either is like absolutely breathtakingly beautiful in its compositions and detail and grime and everything, like especially towards the end when she's like, it's like heat wavy. Yeah. And the queen is there and it's all quiet. And the, you just hear the queen breathing and the flamethrower, like all of that stuff looks perfect. Like it couldn't look better. Right. Um, but the, every once in a while, this movie, I'm like, Ooh, God, that looks real bad. I just, the whole theme, a lot of the themes are very eighties in this too. Just the, the Marines and the, you know, the Vietnam war thing. And, well, that, that's I was I was gonna say this. The the Marines character design is very Vietnam-y looking. Yeah. You know, it's like a slightly fu- ticked up future version. They're not like hyper. Um, yeah, they got cameras and they got these cool guns and stuff. But I, I, there's a shot where um, Riggs is. He it starts where it might be kind of a wide, and then his foot comes and slams against it. Gets it's a close up of his foot, and he is locking in the buckles on his um, shin guards, mm-hmm. and just how how like like he's done it a million times. He's making it really tight, and like I just love that uh, tactileness to uh, that all of that. I got to meet Michael Bean, by the way. So did you? Oh, did yeah. Did you get to say right. hi to him? Yeah. yeah, no, I didn't get up there for that. I had Yeah, he uh obviously worked with James Cameron before on Terminator. I, I apparently he James was brought in late. Yeah, James Remar was cast last minute. Uh but yeah. he he got busted for possession. James Remar did, so he's fired and then yeah, he he came in Michael Bean really? came in yeah like a couple of weeks after shooting started, he was I would say into- that this is maybe his best movie that I yeah, that comes to mind. Is his performance is great for the most he, part. He's a good, unassuming action hero in both of these movies. This and the Terminator. We are leaving. Yeah, he, <laughs> but he's not like he's not like a muscle bound. No, his physical performance is fantastic. There is a moment in the later shootout where like, uh, alien goes to pounce on him and he kind of like 
falls back on his back. And as it's going over him, he goes and like shoots it real quick. Yeah. God, it's so good. Quick thinking. He's he's a really good at what he does. Just the character. intensity and believability he has in this movie, I think, is really good. And his presence of like he's kind of like cool headed. Right. That's what I mean. He's and yeah. you don't really notice him at first. He's not one of the standout when we first meet the Marines, he's not really a standout yeah, he, character. He, uh, which is great. Yeah, he's got this quiet kind of and even whenever he's put in charge, he's like, Yeah. I guess you're right. You know, only like, way to be sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a great little kind of, um, cute chemistry between the two of them without them becoming like making out at the end or something like that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Not really romantic, but just kind of like it's a respect, mutual respectful. Yeah. yeah a, how memorable is, Bill Paxton in this. <laughs> yes. <He's> just, <laughs> like every line he has. Ridiculous. Is so fucking quotable. <laughs> Even him just screaming whenever Bishop is doing the knife thing. Yeah. <laughs> and his face there. Oh, God. I, oh, was yeah, like, I mean, like, he's like, Jesus, the floor is cold. And he's like, can you want me to fetch you some slippers? Oh, <laughs> could you, Sarge? <laughs> just like that one. And then, of course, the... um the whole thing with the uh you know game over man obviously is yeah like classic so good <laughs> the there's another great music cut whenever they're preparing they're already in the dropship they're getting sitting down they're making they're gearing up and hudson's doing his speech to hype everybody up and like slapping their shoulders and come on like we got this oh, and yeah. like headbutting and kind of like you know like a football team would before a game i or love something. that whole sequence the dropship sequence and he's like, like what does he say he's like direct like, an dr elevator. elevator to hell direct yeah. to hell or something yeah, yeah. and then he, then it's like that's when the music's cut and it's like they release the thing and it's and he's like Whoa! and it's dropping and oh man it's like yeah i was like this movie's fucking awesome there's a very there's several very obvious rear screen projection shots in this but then some of it's like, like incredible yeah i mean you, it's like how else do you do it i mean it just looks like what it is well i think definitely a strength of james cameron here is like the the vision of like knowing how to do Pull off each effects yeah like all right we need a shot that's this it's like what's the best way to do that shot you know i think he has mm -hmm. a really good eye for like what effect to use and you know what i mean at least in this yes. era in the analog era for sure like oh this yes should, this i agree. should be rear screen projected or this should be a model or this should be what? like a full-scale like arm animatronic when the ship first falls out of like the expressway to hell yeah like and it drops and it shoots past camera. That feels fucking perfect. And Corporal the, Farrow it, there, the <laughs> the pilot lady. Yeah, yeah. She was. Uh, how did, did, you, did you ever play Minecraft or I'm assuming, Starcraft? It was Starcraft. Uh, yeah. They yeah, kind of, of they ripped that character off. That that. Uh, we're in I the only pipe played five it online. Five. Yeah, there, yeah. There's a the dropship. The dropship She's pilot. You remember in, every character. Oh yeah, the dropship pilot in StarCraft is Pharaoh. Like, oh okay. The picture of like when you click on the the icon, the you know the little image comes up and it's her, and she says, "We're in the pipe, five by five. There's several like direct quotes. Michael from, Bean in Terminator One, when he's got like, it, it's him in the future, and he's fighting against the robotic takeover yeah they there's like a shot of, like they just fucking straight up use that for the, the original metal gear for super nintendo or sorry nintendo like solid snake well it's like we we're talking about in the first one where it's establishing things like tropes and things for mm -hmm. the horror genre this one i don't think it is establishes a, a lot of stuff but it just does them really well you know like a lot of these tropes they're using had already been established by james cameron in a lot of cases or the 80s action genre already had kind of established tropes to it they're they're just doing it really really well 
you know? I think you, he does a great job of wrapping you into the story that you don't even thinking about any of that stuff. And it, and he is, is subverting your expectations here and there with the Marines getting completely destroyed. And, um, I think there's a, every step is very logically like you're never like, don't go in that room, you idiot or something. It's like, all right, these guys, these are mindless Marines. They don't give a shit. Like, of course, these two are going to like keep their ammo belt things and like start firing and stuff. They don't give a shit. Like they established right. that well. And that seems very, although that's a stupid thing they did. But again, they set up that that guy's a noob and like he's, you know, it's completely flustered in that first yeah. He kind of gets a, you know, he and uh, Hudson both get like a redemption moment a little yes. bit later uh, on. That's, yeah, which is a, I, I always, I love that kind of stuff. Like they're not just a straight piece of shit the entire movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he's got good intentions. He's just inexperienced. Unlike uh, Paul Reiser's character, who is just a total piece of shit. That, oh, but Okay. <laughs> But you don't know Paul Reiser is a piece of shit. He's like telling that guy, come on, like move aside. You had your turn and stuff. And he's seemingly a good guy for a long time. Yeah. But man, does he end up being, I was telling Alex, I was like, he Full might heel be turn. the most, my most hated character, not because he's bad or something. I'm like saying like a well done character. Right. Like, love I to, love to hate. God, he's the fucking worst. Yeah. He sucks. I love how his first line is. I'm really an okay guy. Yeah. It's like <laughs> first thing he says. I love the, uh, his, his hair and his outfit. Like it's a future. Like we'll just, everybody will have their, uh, collars turned up and their, on their blazers yeah. and everybody will still have perms. Yeah, or like not perms, but like you know, uh, blow dried hair. He's got that sort of '80s Paul Reiser look, I guess. Yeah, and uh, the blow the, dryer man. The outfit, like later when it's like the the khaki vest with the flannel underneath it. Oh, his adventure outfit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it, it. You know what's so funny is that like that corporate kind of. I'm going to go on a boat. It's kind of windy out. Like they'll have like that same outfit on. They're going to have right. Like khakis and a vest, like a Patagonia vest or something like that. Yeah. Bubble vest and, and like an Oxford or something. So it's pretty accurate actually. Yeah. He's got that sort of face of the corporation. Was the corporation even named in the first movie? I don't think they even named it. If they did, I don't remember. And I think and, Xenomorph is used for the first time here too. Yeah. But it, yeah. We don't like the, the first movie doesn't really explain much. Yeah, they just talk about it. It's the company. They just, I think they just say the company. Yeah. They don't, they don't name it, but you get, well, it's a great sequel because it logically expands on the universe. Like. I like know, that repercussions of like, you blew up this entire like. Well, they say million dollar facility. I, I would imagine that thing's like, oh, yeah, it's actually way built. more. It's billions. Yeah. Like, you, you, right. It's on a, it's, it's so a, big. Yeah. Mining colony on another planet. Well, not it's even that, like power for, station. Well, that, but I'm talking about uh, the ship in, in one that Ripley blows up. Her repercussions of blowing that up. Oh, I see. Yeah. You're right. I think Paul Reiser does say, like, this is a million dollar facility. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of that, like, Dr. Evil, like, a million dollars. And I know they just start laughing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, you would that was think, a lot of money back then, I guess. Yeah. It's worth a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> it, there's a lot to it. I mean, there, this is a long movie. Yeah. It's like two hours and 20 minutes. It's a it's lot of plot. It's the fastest two hours. And like, that really yeah. has almost no lull for me. There's a lot going on. It's, I mean, there's everything happens logically well, you've and, got bit there there's the he's subverting your expectations where they're setting up bishop to be a bad guy bishop hello and he's like working on the alien and how much he respects the alien the mm. face hugger and what a remarkable species and like and so they're he's 
Yeah, you're after he's Ash, doing all you're of that expecting movie stuff. Yeah, like he's, him to be the bad guy. Yeah, you know. and then he's the best. Yeah, really good. Um, cutting frames in this that works. Most sometimes when it, that does not work, the cutting a frame to like make an impact of a punch or a hit, but they use it a handful of times in some creative ways that I spotted, and I'm sure there's other ones that I didn't see. For an example, one really good example that you would not know, and I, this is one actually I didn't know until I, I was watching the behind the scenes. Um, when Paul Reiser puts the uh, Newton um, Ripley take a nap, and he puts the face huggers in there to impregnate them, um, Ripley's up against the wall, and it one of the face huggers crawls up onto like a down piece of medical equipment and jumps off of it. So mm. it's like this. And then it's just like comes right yeah. in the camera and that's cuts a bunch of frames there. So it's basically almost like a pixelated animation. Yeah. Because they shot part of it in reverse, right? That yes. I think I know the shot you're talking about because yeah. when it, when it jumps up onto the chair or whatever it is, that's done in reverse. They actually pulled it off. But then when they jumps, yeah, yeah. Towards camera, it's just like, they're just like going from here to like in camera. It's really seamless. Like you wouldn't know that's what they did. And then another thing where they're doing it is, and they do it a fucking shitload. I think maybe it was either a suggestion from Cameron and it worked in the dailies of the edit or something. He's like, okay, we're not going to do that a bunch. So that looks really good. When they're backed up and they're, um, turret guns lose ammo and they're, they're like they're on top of us man they're right fucking here which that what a great shot whenever Riggs pops his head up to the ceiling and they're all cr- climbing and they're right oh, there yeah great tension there yeah that whole scene where when they shoot at the aliens and the, the xenomorphs go flying back and stuff there lots of big pops in the frames like they're cutting a bunch of frames, but they with there's so much smoke and sparks, mm. and maybe he's throwing in some flash frames where it's just completely like one single frame of white. Yeah, um, really works. And one of my favorite little tiny things is there's like an alien coming to like all this chaos. Now Ripley and Newt are like on their own for a second, and she's like, "Get behind me, Newt." And an alien's like right up on her and she's trying to figure the gun out and she's panicking. And then she turns it off of safety real quick and goes, ah, and like, <laughs> like, yeah. fucking, and like, and it, and like the kick of the gun hits her up against the wall, yeah. just her face, the angle, the camera angle, the, the noise she makes, the panic on her. And like that cut, it cuts when she fires to get the pop back on her as the gun goes shooting up. Yeah, it's so cool, and then I love that she's just like, "All right, figured it out. I'm a badass now." Yeah. Um, Sigourney Weaver's real like anti-gun mm-hmm. that, that comes across in the making of. I don't know if, how much of that you watched. There's like a three-hour. I have seen it all of, before years ago, and some of the stuff I'm remembering is from that, but I don't yeah. remember that particular aspect. That's interesting because she's. It's, it's subtle. Yeah, just some of the things she says, and kind of knowing that going in, because I rewatched part of that documentary. Mm-hmm. Highly and, suggest to any of you guys out there, if you can find that on the internet, if it's on YouTube, or you know, if you just have like the box set and didn't ever really decide to watch the special features, the special features of the box set aliens stuff is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that every every one has like a feature length documentary about it. Yeah, the Blu-ray I have for this is probably my favorite Blu-ray. It's got like a little it's the 30th anniversary edition. It's got the theatrical cut and the uh director's cut and then it's got like the 3-hour documentary. It's got a bunch of other deleted scenes and then there's like a little comic book that came with it and a bunch of art prints. Uh so it's a really cool Really cool box set, 30th anniversary edition. The, so I, maybe the my favorite um, creature in camera shot ever, or just creature shot ever, is whenever Newt's in the sewer. After that scene we were just talking about, Paul Reiser tries like, fuck yeah. him all over. And I love like, that shot you're talking When the alien yeah. comes up behind her in the water. And it, you it mean? cuts yeah. 
like there's probably the next frame would make it look like shit. Looks so good. It looks shot. yeah, so good. And his usage of slow motion is so good. It's not like, hey, look, this is a slow motion shot. Like that's a slow motion shot, but you don't even think of it as slow motion. It's just a perfectly chosen shutter speed that dramatizes the situation and height heightens it all and is so incredibly cinematic like yeah well the best use of either sped up or slowed down footage in movies i feel like occurs when they're you know because you have those moments in real life where time seems to slow down or speed up or well especially slow down if you're in this moment it seems like the moment just goes on forever that's yeah. a perfect place to to have a slow motion shot and i think that just goes back to james cameron's good just vision as a filmmaker of like oh this is a slow motion shot or you know this is yeah a, this is a puppet this is an animatronic a lot of like stunt people in the suits in the first movie obviously it was just the one alien it was like a seven foot tall guy like stunt man mm-hmm. and the the costume was much more ornate and much more um, fragile. Like, cause they, they had to remake it a lot in this one. The suits were designed to be a lot more flexible and they're simpler too. And they, they didn't count on having a bunch of seven foot tall stunt performers. So they made them just normal human size and yeah. tried to make it through the photography look like they were bigger. Because you really get the scale. In the first one, you really get the scale of like how big the creatures are compared to a human. And this one, you really don't. But there's just so many of them, and it's just so chaotic that it doesn't. The sound design too of the alien is is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like you start going like, wait, is that how it sounded? Because like the kind of hiss it has when it's opening its mouth, and then that when they get like killed in this, they have a really interesting pre. Jurassic Park sound effect almost. Yeah. That high pitched squeal. I feel like it's some kind of animal that they messed with in post, like some kind of screw. Put it backwards, and this is like a dolphin and a pterodactyl (laughs) or an eagle or something. something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Those, uh, I mean, H.R. Geiger didn't work on this. Um, and James Cameron, I guess, designed the queen himself, according to legend. I don't know if that's true or not. No, he's like, a really good artist, actually. Yeah, him and Ridley both. Yeah, I mean, he did a lot of his own concept drawings, I know. Yeah. Um, kind of expanding on what Geiger did. Well, Geiger it could be one of those was, things where he did like a kind of cool sketch and then he gave it to somebody that like, could really fucking draw and like that person made it. Yeah. He, had he, he made has on this. like some cool ideas. Yeah. Well, Geiger was uh, contractually obligated to work on Poltergeist 2. So, <laughs> oh, damn. Why he was not on this. Uh, apparently, he was happy with how it looked. But yeah, it's um, the one get Ron Cobb from the first movie and uh, uh, Sid Mead uh, were the designers on this one. So, what else has Sid Mead done? Uh, Blade Runner. I mean, oh, okay. he's, he's all over Blade Runner and. Um, yeah. It does have a very like the structures do have a very Blade Runnery look. I feel like in this, mm-hmm. like the outside of the buildings, the models. Yeah, they look really good. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I love the terraforming facility design. My favorite sequence is what I was building up to is fucking like we have to find her. They don't kill her. They go to get Newt, and she's taping the fucking guns together i know (laughs) and like putting all these like getting all this shit ready and then they drop her off and she goes into the elevator and then just that fucking sequence of her it like makes me cry it's like gearing up yeah that whole she's gearing up and the music's like like building up building up and then she takes this moment to like close her eyes and take a breath and then she like like opens her eyes and like is like just got that stare and she like kind of like cracks like yeah. loosens her neck up and then that's when the fucking doors open and the music stops and she just sits there for a second in the theaters in 1986 i would have yeah. been like i'm like fucking 
I couldn't imagine how cool that would have been if I was the right age at the right appreciation and like had and was there with that energy of that cinematic moment. I oh know. my God. And then everything that transpires after that is like, like some of the best, like Ridley, like that's when the movie is equivalent of how beautifully shot it, uh, Ridley stuff is. Why well, isn't like, this? Yeah, I was gonna bring up the Queen sequence because we got so good. Talk yeah. about that because well, that's what I'm talking about. That's like yeah, that yeah. whole it, well going into it and yeah, there's a cut scene there where I think I mentioned this last time. You see cocooned Burke there's where they they shot it, but they didn't use it. Oh, that's why he doesn't he doesn't have a very satisfying death for being like as horrible a character he is. But yeah. There was a scene they shot where he's cocoon. Like when she goes down to look for Newt, yeah. she she encounters him and she, and uh, does he like come to he, or something? Yeah, he's like, "Help! You got to help me! I can feel it inside me!" And she just hands him a grenade and walks away. And then there's an explosion behind her. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, all right, he's dead. Fuck him. Yeah, he sucks. Let's keep going. Like that's the whole. I think that's all the stuff that works so well about this movie. It's like, we have this plan. We're going in. Okay. That plan changed. Now we're on this other plan. That plan changed. It's just constantly like new problems are arising that they have to, to like conquer, which like is like perfect screenwriting. And but yeah, the, I was in the, the, the sequence with the queen. It's so, how good is that? There's it, no dialogue, but there's a, there's some kind of com- so the queen can communicate with the drone aliens because she's it's a like, hive mind hive mind yeah so there's some great shot like Ripley threatens the eggs with the flamethrower the queen looks looks yeah. at two of the drones and they kind of withdraw yeah <laughs> so there's some kind of communication going on there I like in the first movie again it's such an logical extension of the universe. Like mm-hmm. you don't really get a sense of like the community of the aliens. It's just the they, single. And they set up a, um, they set that up too. In the first movie. No, in, in, in the beginning when that, the, the first girl that's cocooned and she's like, kill me. Yeah. When they actually, when they flame her, they, you hear like a rustle, like all of the drones are like, Oh, like let us at them, you know, like, you know, let me at them. Yeah. So like it is they're like all a high, feeling, they're all feeling the pain. Yeah. Like bees almost. Yeah. And the queen's got this gigantic egg sack that she can separate. So from. gross. Yeah. It's like hanging from the ceiling. This thing is enormous. I mean, that's set up too when Ripley says, How are, who's laying all those eggs? You know, yeah. she kind of reasons well, it out like, wait a second, there's well, going to be something. Something must or, be, yeah. <laughs> and well, the design of it too, like uh, how how the design of the creature there. It's kind of up in its skull, like the yeah. top bit, and it kind of drops down a little bit and splits open. Yeah, and the, the whole like headdress thing, and I don't mm-hmm. know, it's, it looks great. Like it's, again... Super iconic, yeah. Taking what H.R. Geiger did in the first movie and like expanding on it in Perfectly. a logical way. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's this whole movie. It takes like this bare bones thing, which was the first movie, and it's using logical extensions of everything that was set up there and creating this whole universe out of it and in such a but doing the 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 sequel thing where it's like bigger, more, bigger explosions. Yeah. Which usually it's like, oh man, but like, that's why the first one was so good because it didn't have all that bullshit. It's like, he did all of that, but also it's what you're, it's with the touch of the logical extension. It's not like, well, they like this, right? So we have to do this. It's like, no, where would this story go and how can I make it awesome? Yeah. Now some of the, this is sort of the somewhat pushing the limitations of the practical effects of like the shots of the queen running are a little yeah, wonky. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's where like, like the, that's where I think that my 80, 20 would come in really well, where it's like 80% of that, of the queen up to her legs are. Yes. Are, are practical. And then the legs are CG. There is an amazing and maybe you know how they did this. I think it's on wire. I think I literally saw the wire. 
she has that standoff. Hey, like I'll flame your fucking eggs, your babies. We're, we're both moms. Right. You get it. And then she, then she decides to flame him, which I want to talk about here in a second. Um, she decides to flame him and shoot everything. And then the drones come after her. And this one does this like, like ape like move where it's running on one wall, then jumps onto another wall, then like jumps at her. And then she shoots it like, and it looks perfect. It looks like a, there's a, it, it, it's an actual xenomorph running on this tight, you know, um, crawl space kind of thing and it's it's like, uh, 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 uh. It's like you know what i mean alien parkour almost yeah like, it looks so good i don't know how they did it i think I, well, it actually might be a person in a suit and i was gonna say i know they had some and it's wire work stunt performers that were acrobats i'm assuming it was like yeah they they had a harness and yeah like the the stunt performer doing that shot i assume was just very like articulate maybe some kind of dancer because they hired dancers and mimes and, you know, to That's play the aliens, yeah. like just people who could work with their body, you know. Yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, they did a that that whole sequence. Now, my only gripe with this, and this is the first time I thought of this watching it this time around. If Rid, like the planet's going to blow up yeah. to fucking hell and back. The 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 aliens will be destroyed. Xenomorphs will no longer exist, and they she could have just backed off. There was a I think a mutual agreement there, and then she kind of goes, uh, "Well, I can't fucking help myself." And she, even though that this place is going to blow up, she's risking everything to stay there and blow that. That's more of like a vendetta than it is. Yeah, it's um, getting into revenge territory. Yeah, there. where if she just if she just left earlier, like. The aliens don't know that the place is going to blow up. They're loving the heat. Yeah. They like a nice bomby, <laughs> um, like detonation. Yeah. Situation. I think they just needed to have a badass moment. Oh, like, I love it. I love torching. it. Like, and she's using, I like how she's using, it's great too, because it sets up the fact that she's not going to be able to have that gun anymore. She uses up all her ammo. She right. shoots yeah. all the grenades and then she takes her grenade belt off and throws that in right <laughs> into, and the, egg into sack. the flames yeah, yeah that are on fire that blows up so now she's completely out of ammunition so i get it store obviously cinematically it's fantastic and it makes all the sense but like being high and excuse me yeah um but i love i mean which the they make it out of there and everything's fine and they're back at the main ship and then exactly the same story beat as the first one yep and like the, <laughs> and then there's the drip of acid and bishop gets fucking penetrated and ripped in half which looks yeah perfect the whole sequence there is great the fight the mech fight obviously oh, when, she, like, when she again the music cuts out doors open and she takes like two steps forward in the camera and says, get away from her, you bitch. Right. That's the shit that makes me tear up in a movie. Yeah. Cause it's, <laughs> that's, it's so powerful and moving and cool and badass and like everything. And like, and then that's the, that's knowing that like she, um, lost her daughter and all of that, just all of that wrapped up into that one little line there, that moment. Fuck, yeah. forget about it. It's like the most badass moment in film history. And I hate it because it's James Cameron. If he's just such a dork and a fucking asshole now, I got Titanic just ruined him. Well, yeah, he's the king of the world. Yeah. That's, fucking hell. <laughs> that's the thing about, uh, Ripley's arc is like without that scene because we don't get any sense that she's has a daughter without that. Does scene, she right? say something in the movie at some point about that? Like I, I used to like have a daughter I was looking like, for it and I couldn't I was find too. anything, but like, cause I'm thinking whenever she's like, cause that sets up the whole, like Newt, she becomes to a sleep surrogate and mother stuff. To, yeah. uh, to Newt. Right. 
and like her reaction to the queen and the whole theme of motherhood throughout all these movies, mm-hmm. which, yeah, it's like the original cut of the movie is like over three hours. Like, yeah, you got to cut somewhere, but like that scene in particular, I feel like. I liked, I like, I like that. Like that makes the whole newt thing like so much better because it's not like this movie is some art house thing. Like it's artfully done. I'm not saying, you know what I mean though? Like it, yeah. you can be, it's a crowd. You can ride the line between like kind of holding the hand and that's like a nice hold the hand for how well executed everything else is. Yeah. So yeah, this movie's fucking awesome. It's so good. <laughs> Uh, and, well, next next week should be interesting. <laughs> next week we're going to talk about Alien Three, which is not awesome. <laughs> it's so yeah. This these were both in development hell. Like obviously this this movie took seven years. There was like the studio at first didn't want to make it because they thought the success of the first movie was a fluke, and then there was some lawsuit like where the studio used some sort of shady creative accounting practices to make it look like the first movie was a financial loss. So they didn't have to pay the production company and there was a lawsuit. So that delayed production and then they switched uh, anyway, but seven seven years like it did. Yeah. In between the two movies and then another seven. The first movie is like giant. Yeah. Was it 93, 92, 92, I think. Yeah. Yeah, the third movie, I guess we'll get into, but that's one of the first times I remember feeling disappointed at a movie theater. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. That is that is like a good like milestone for any cinephile. Yeah, I guess. Because I was a at this at that point it's gonna, I was it's a, gonna happen. I was a huge fan of the franchise at that point. Yeah. Like this alien, these first two movies. I've I've seen probably more than 99% of all other movies. Like there's very few movies that I watch multiple times, let oh, alone this, even if twice. If this is on, I'm going to watch it. Or yeah, if yeah. if I if I see it on streaming, I'm like, "Ooh, I might watch this. Or I'm going to add to my, you know, oh great, it's oh they're all on at HBO Max. Like I'm going to watch, you know, I'm going to at least watch the first two." Yeah. Well, should we jump to our little section called what have you been watching yes now it's time for a segment called what are you watching uh where we talk about things that we watched this week (laughs) (laughs) i got some stuff what what do you been watching yes what do you got um i've been we've been watching season three of party down oh okay have you watched any party down i've not seen party down you will love party down it's a really great comedy it was, uh, it's on stars, but I think you can watch season one and two, which is from like the early aughts or mid aughts. Um, okay. It's uh, Adam Scott's first kind of bigger. Okay. So like pre parks and rec. Yes. It's pre parks okay. and rec. And he's, um, he's a failed actor. That's like, joining uh a re- going back into the catering service and every single episode is so it takes place in LA and every episode is at a catered event. Oh. And okay. it does a really fucking good job of intertwining all the, all the characters always have a story. It might be a there might be multiple A stories and there's a couple of B stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it does the Seinfeld thing where it t- comes all together without feeling like, oh, that was such a Seinfeldy kind of thing. Like it uses that formula in a really w- in- interesting way that's very satisfying and absolutely fucking hilarious. Like so good. Ken Marino is so funny. Um, you'll recognize I, a lot of the actors. I love the premise. As yeah, you're great. describing it. Yeah. yeah, there's, I mean, I'm t- I'm telling you, like, there's not one episode that takes place outside of a party that they're okay. catering in yeah. some form, you know? That's cool. Um, yeah, it's really good. So season three, it's been years, you know, and lots of like, when are they going to do season three? Oh, it's going to come out. And then it's like, finally, finally, finally uh, uh, so came this out. Is, this is recent? Season yes. three? Yes, very so seasons recent. one and two are like early aughts. Yep, back to back, like 
20, and now here comes the new season like 20 years later mm-hmm. they were, were kind of there was like talk of like a movie for a while and i think maybe adam scott you know with parks and rec was doing that for seven years so huh. um anyways That's uh cool really funny it's not as there's moments that are as good as the first two seasons but maybe not quite the through story right maybe is as compelling as the first two seasons but you still love all the characters and they're it's it's really good um and it's kind of getting better and better it's like finding its footing um also started barry i watched the first two episodes of the newest season of barry oh that's right that's out and it's i still haven't i think i think yeah I think they're all directed by Bill Hader, which is fucking awesome because all the episodes that are directed by by Bill Hader in the previous seasons are like incredible. Okay. And it's in such an interesting spot. All the characters are at their like lowest Mm. um, at the beginning of the season. So it's very, I'm very interested to see where it all goes. Um, The Bill Hader is like, he's a, he he might be brilliant i don't, he absolutely amazing his acting and directing and like his knowledge of film i think he's like a really big cinephile like a you know criterion collection level cinephile hmm. like knows a ton of like that kind of world of filmmaking art house stuff so he's able to kind of ride this really beautiful line of art house and you know compelling kind of cinematic Hollywood drama. Um, so very, looking forward to finishing that. All right. Anything else? Nope. That's it. Right. I, I watched. I'll uh, have more erotic thrillers hey. for you next week. Okay? Oh, I can't wait. I watched uh, Scream 6 Ghostface Takes Manhattan. <laughs> oh, it's like God. the Scream movie that was in theaters like two weeks ago. And yeah, now it's on Paramount Plus. So, um, so really? I, I watched it. It's not, I don't know. It's not as good as the last one. Jenna Ortega is like the new Nev Campbell of the mm-hmm. series. Nev Campbell's not even the, in this one. Yeah, um, what is she just done? I think she was, she was in five briefly, barely, uh, you know, it's kind of yeah. a legacy franchise at this point. Um, it was, I don't know. I, I thought the fifth one was pretty decent. The one that came out last year. This one I didn't like. Yeah, you were saying you didn't, you were kind of pretty into it. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, it was good, kind of rebooty. I mean, they it's been rebooted. It was like, there's the first three, and then the, the fourth one in 2011 was uh, Wes Craven's last movie. And then nobody touched the franchise for 12 years. And now they're now suddenly they're making them one every year. I, I think they got another one they're doing too. Samara Weaving is in the brute Drew Barrymore role, dying first. Um, uh-huh. It's uh, the the there's like a twist, like the opening kill has a nice twist to it, but I don't know. It's 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 whatever. It's not yeah. It's not great. Yeah, I, I won't have that one on my list. Uh, I'll tell you that much. I started on jury duty on Adam's recommendation from last week. Adam talked about it last week, but I didn't put in the episode. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it is so hilarious. Like, remember, oh, we, it's like, oh, yeah, about they make the, up this trial. Yeah. Like, and every one, only one it, guy is is not in on it. Yes, <laughs> everybody's in on it except for one guy. And James Marsden plays like a douchey version of himself. He's yeah. like, what a genius idea for a TV show. It's so funny. Like the concept of it is just hilarious. And the knowing that this guy's reactions are sincere. Yeah. <laughs> and they is just, it, keep, I guess it all, it depends on the direction and, and editing. You they know? just keep piling shit on him too. Like yeah. they make him the foreman of the jury. James Marsden doesn't want to be there like he's like i'm i'm an important actor i i can't be here you know yeah then the judge makes him an alternate so he's got to like sit there and stew and not have any input and it's hilarious it is it's so funny um (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, so he's playing himself, obviously, because yeah. he could be like either that guy would know about him or not, you know. But he's yeah, hilarious. I love, I love him. Like, he's it's very self-deprecating on his part. So that's really funny. Jury duty on Amazon, super funny. And such a clever idea for a show. Yeah. Uh well, all right, I'll record an outro and then we'll do Alien 3 next week. Can't yeah. wait. <laughs> All right, gang. Uh, thanks for joining us. My name's Brad Patello. Find me on Instagram at Brad Patello. Gus is Mr. Trouth. Adam is Renaissance Grunt. You can also follow our Instagram account, a movie odyssey, uh, underscore movie, underscore odyssey. Uh, follow us, like our stuff. <laughs> uh, listen to our episodes. Love us. Like You like us. You really like us. Love you guys. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>